you there. I'll prop her with your Nicole, Bible you, open. You, you, you start it. Oh, because I always start. Is that true? Yeah, but just for like... Uh, I always do. Hi, Nicole. For variety. Yeah, hey, Renee. Too. Hey, Nicole. What you got there in your hands? I have the Bible. B-I-B-L-E. The ESV English Standard Version. Oh, okay. Why do I have this Bible in my hand? <laughs> Actually, Other than the fact that I am a most righteous woman. That's what I was going to say. That was my only guess. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Not Only But Also. Yes, I'm Renee Ronica Bahati Klug the fourth. I'm Nicole Cottrell. I have no title. Today we're talking about the Virgin, Mary, <laughs> you know, the Virgin Mary, that one. We're talking the about one and her. only. The one and only Mary. The mother of Jesus. That's the one. The wife of Joseph. Also her. And the mother of other children, like James. Other children. Yeah, she had other children. She I had know. lots of other children. Like Jesus had brothers and sisters. Correct. All half, of course. And uh, probably she's not the typical person that we may talk about or that you've heard discussed often no because she became jesus's mom at about 14 this is our guest and that is i did a little bit of research but it has it's very conflicting if you don't um, know already we're not historically we're not historical biblical scholars we are not nor are we historians we are lazy googlers we are <laughs> and we are. but i did go to bible school 25 that's true. years you ago you went to bible school so you know from what i can remember from 25 years ago you're getting i'll give you a couple of points for that and so uh oh and so i did it <laughs> you i did, did it. it we just were talking about our our words and and so is, is a phrase, phrase that i use and there we go and I was now like, you're I not gonna be able it. to unhear now I can never any unhear of it. renee's and so's oh gosh now I you can't I, be self-conscious know, about I'm it. You're never going to be able to, to speak. I, I taught a class once and my students started chuckling and they loved me and I'm still friends with them. But I was saying interesting a lot after anybody shared. Interesting. Interesting. and Because it was interesting to me. And then I, I had to take that out. But I don't know if and so can come out. And so. <laughs> and so. <laughs> let us begin. When was, I did my research, oh, though, the average lifespan during Jesus's day typically was between 35 and 45. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. But I don't know that that's necessarily true because Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, or how I like to affectionately refer to him as J the B, <laughs> she was 60 when he was Yeah, conceived. but you're talking about averages. So averages makes room for people that live longer so and people that live really shorter. knocked everything out of the park. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, come back to Mary. What is so fascinating about Mary that we want to talk about? Well, first I want to know actually what Mary kind of represented to you when you were growing up or what sort of ideas or thoughts you had around Mary. I didn't really. I think she was eclipsed in my younger days when I went to Catholic or Episcopalian church, kind of intermittently. I don't have a whole lot of memory there, but the one memory I do have is in Sunday school where we, I really felt a connection to Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I felt that connection. I don't. And I, I yeah. so, and so I don't know about that. And then in later, when I went to Bible school and became more evangelical, um, dare I say, she was more, Mary, mother of Jesus, was more villainized. Correct. Because I think it was a backlash against people maybe within Orthodox or Catholic. I'm, I'm, if I'm wrong on any of those, it's okay. Mm -hmm. But any of those religions that would see Mary as an intercessor and would pray to her or any of the saints for that matter. Mm -hmm. So that vilified any of those characters within the evangelical church because you're 
only supposed to worship Jesus. Right. You automatically, right is my word, and yeah, correct right is, is my word. repeat word. Yes. I agree with you. Thank you. I have had a similar experience. Um, <laughs> yes. What is your experience? Well, I think that's the end of it for me. No, I, well, one thing I wanted to comment on asking about Mary Magdalene, I think that Mary Magdalene is emphasized more in the church. There's probably a few different reasons. Wait, did you just have an epiphany? I had an epiphany, but you go. Well, I think in some ways people probably just think she's more interesting mm-hmm. of a character. Because she was a prostitute. Because she was, well, I know there's conflicting. There is conflicting. Um, ideas about that. So even even if she were, yes, that's auto, uh, automatically more, you know, titillating information. And then she was traveling with Jesus and she was one of the disciples, even though she was a woman. And so there's already kind of this mystique and mystery around her. And she witnessed his crucifixion. Didn't Was she the alabaster jar, Mary? I feel like she was the alabaster. Yeah. But she was not Mary and Martha Mary. No. Yeah. So that's different. And so she's the one who had seven demons cast out of her, correct? So if this is all the same Mary, there's lots of Marys in the New Testament, apparently, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, it was a very common there, name. There a limited <laughs> supply of names. And so, oh, I did it again. So. Mm, you mm. can't do it. <laughs> you got to just go with the flow. It's, you know what? It's going to happen. On my tombstone, it's going to read, and so. And I'll be perfectly okay with and that. So. Because the story never ends. Dot, dot, dot. Ellipses, Renee. With Mary Magdalene, she also has a lot more narrative, and that's another word we use a lot is narrative. But she has a lot of a lot more stories. Yeah, we just to know a little is. bit more about her. So we, but with Mary, mother of Jesus, we do have to distinguish. Those are so many Marys. Mm-hmm. We've just brought up three alone, mm-hmm. possibly four if alabaster jar. So this is a woman. Yeah, I don't think alabaster jar. I feel is like the that was person. Mary Magdalene. Do you know? You don't know? Evan doesn't know. He's no. I'm going to look it up while we're talking. I'm pretty sure I'm. So, while Nicole's looking it up, um, you know, and so in lo- the reason why I was trying to look up lifespan and things like that was because I was trying to see how interesting it Mary's story of getting pregnant with Jesus by the Holy Spirit at 14 was. Because right now, situated in our current cultural context, mm-hmm. it seems a little scandalous, a little maybe, oh, that's the only, you know, of course she had to be 14 because that's the only way she, they could guarantee a virgin. But that's not necessarily so situated in a, in a context 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Where most girls, upon menstruation or whatever, they tended to get married during those years. Now, Elizabeth throws in a little bit of a wrench there, the fact that she lived so much longer and had a baby so much later. But then that ties into a different part of the story. So, as it were, Mary finds out that she either is or is going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Have I moved too far forward? No. Do you need to pause? Stick with it. She finds this out. And she asks, I think, what any of us, if we were still virgins, would ask. And we found that we were with child. Except for if we were Jane the Virgin, then we would know. Which I have yet to watch. <gasps> oh, come on, Nicole. I know. You've been telling me forever so that I'm good. supposed to watch it. But I just, so good. I just episode one. Season one, episode know. one. You know. find out. A botched know. medical procedure. It doesn't procedure. like appealing to me. It's so good. It's a telenovela. It's I so know. good. Yeah, no. and, you know, you um, know my And I am Team Raphael, by the way. So um, I'm Team Holy Spirit when it comes to Mary, Mother of Jesus. Obviously. And I I'm team Raphael when it comes to Jane the Virgin. So. She when, responds like any of us so would. So she responds. How can this be? Mm-hmm. 
And she doesn't get in trouble. An angel comes to tell her this story and he, you know, explicates, well, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And she's like, cool. Also, I want to take a moment to just acknowledge the pragmatic nature of her question. There, This angel appears to her, firstly, which is an otherworldly sight. People are generally scared in scripture. They're dropping to their knees or covering their faces. They're yelling, no, no. Freaked out. I don't want to look at you. And Mary says, well, he tells her not to be afraid. But then she just says, he says the deal. Hey, this is what's happening. And she says, um, excuse me. How is that going to happen? She just asks this really great pragmatic question. She wants the details, the particulars. She fully knows I'm. she's a virgin. She doesn't get it. And I love, too, I think there's a kind of measure of comfort or ease or faith or something in her to be able to ask that too. Yeah. Yeah, this kind of this inherent trust that she's safe asking such a question mm-hmm. to an angel of yeah, all things. Exactly. And keeping in mind she is engaged to Joseph and back in those days you weren't supposed to have marital relations even during that engagement and Joseph finds out that she's pregnant and he is a really good man and he could absolutely during the culture have her stoned and instead he agrees to divorce her quietly but Mm -hmm. he his plan is intercepted by an angel as well probably the same angel um and same angel is it i'm not sure i don't know you bible scholars can i don't know how i don't know how the angel system works we're not quizzing each other i don't know how they get sent down I know there's a, there's Gabriel, there's Michael, there's whatever. Oh, and when I was little, you know, you have Archangel Michael and Archangel Gabriel. Well, I always thought the Archangel Michael was Michelangelo. Somehow I really that's really those. cute. <laughs> or Michelangelo the turtle. Oh yeah, no. Well, yeah, I was a little too old for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but my brother wasn't, so maybe I'll ask him what his <laughs> conflations were regarding the Ninja Turtles and the Bible. But when um so then Joseph then does have uh, an inter- uh, interception intercession by an angel and he decides to stay with Mary. So Joseph is a different story. We're going to focus on Mary because I think Joseph was a pretty legit dude, but he doesn't legit. get a whole lot of, too legit. He doesn't get a whole lot of airtime in the Bible. Also, yeah, like Mary. Which is also cool because a lot of women don't get a lot of airtime in the Bible, but Mary does. She even gets a song which you have memorized. I mean, I haven't fully memorized the Magnificat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We learned it this year in our co-op. Shout out to Symposium PHX. Um, I'm not going to recite it for you now at all. When I was growing up, because I grew up going to mass a lot because my grandmother was Catholic and my mom, my mom and my dad both separately were raised Catholic, which is pretty interesting. So I did go to mass and, you know, Catholics have a very different relationship with Mary and a very different understanding of her and relationship to her. And I think really when I was growing up, I always thought I was always a little fascinated by her. She would be inside the church and there would be these sort of separate spaces of her, these carvings or these statues Mm. of her and you could light candles to Mary. And I was always a little fascinated with her as a person, as a historical person and then when I became a real Christian, they would say, you know, Christians would you say You finally that. got saved. When I got saved. Versus the flames that you were still right. in danger of encountering. Um, then it was like, we don't talk about Mary. Yeah. 
There's like no discussion about it's idolatry. Jesus's mother. Why would we even talk about that? It yeah, it became kind of because I think there was such a fear that evangelicals were just going to start worshiping her, like you were saying that then there was no discussion about her at all because which also makes no sense. It's not like evangelicals are watching you know marching around worshiping anybody. Yeah, and her story is also messy. You know, and, never mind you missed my joke. Yeah. Oh, I, wait. Yeah, I didn't hear your joke. Tell me your joke. No, I want to hear it again. Rewind. It's rewind. It's not like evangelicals are marching around worshiping anybody. Oh. oh. <laughs> yeah. And there it is. <clears throat> anyway. You yeah. can cross-reference that comment okay, with so episode four. Okay, so I looked up, four. I did my lazy Googling, and there's still con- con- conflicting reports on whether the alabaster jar was Mary or not. She's mm-hmm. unnamed. In the account, but then later in the book of John, he does refer to her. You're going to be talking about Mary Magdalene. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, the alabaster, the alabaster jar, jar Mary Magdalene. Yeah, that a lot of people do believe it was the same person, and some people don't think it's the same person. It doesn't really matter for our it's true. telling. But because Mary Magdalene is, is not being about. centered here. It's Mary, mother of Jesus. That's right. So um, a few years ago, I had read a book called Accidental Saints, I always mispronounce Nadia Webb's Nadia Weber Bolts. Weber Bolts. There it is, and I quite like the book. And I still have it on my bookshelf. I know sorry. I lent I lent it to Renee, and she hasn't read it, which is fine. I'm not offended at all. I mean, I Listen, am in a doctoral program. You read a program. lot of other things. You're I totally read books fine. on qualitative methodology. <laughs> exactly. That's what I get to read. <laughs> It's so fun. I'm so excited for you. On how to uh, t test. <laughs> Ask me about t tests. I can tell you that's quantitative, but yeah, I do know that. For those of you who are like, that's not qualitative. Yes, I realize that. She that's knows. She knows. I got all A's, people. She knows her stuff. Money doesn't get below an A. <laughs> so, um, I don't. She doesn't. Okay, so she has a, in that book, Accidental Saints, she has an entire chapter on Mary. Now, I should also preface and say she's a, I don't remember what denomination she's a part of. Lutheran, Episcopalian. Lutheran. Oh, she was Episcopalian. Now I think she's Lutheran. Okay, so she's, they she's have been a, all over the place. So, and she was a priest in the Episcopalian church. So they have a much more liturgical, you know, what some people would call. Is it orthodox? Even reformed or orthodox yeah. um, kind of, you know, service and worship and congregation, which Renee and I have essentially the opposite of that. And sometime yeah. soon we'll talk about our current church life and church experience in what we do and how we hang with the saints. But until then, so I, in a way, I like kind of peeking into those kinds of lives and how people worship in these very different ways than I do. And I always found something really comforting about going to mass, especially after I knew the Lord, because it felt like all of those things that you could brush off as just tradition or wrote routine mm-hmm. suddenly had this new meaning and significance right? to them and yeah. this weight and this holiness. And I really found that comforting. And I think similarly with Bolt's is writing, it's, it reminds me of that, but she has an entire chapter in her book about Mary mm-hmm. and it was so fascinating to me. And I had brought it up at our church meeting and Renee and I had started talking about it and in light of the sort of Advent season we were in and because it's right now it's December 20th. And then it'll be Epiphany, which for a lot of people still celebrate Epiphany, which is, what's Epiphany, January 4th or January 6th or something like that? Sure. Sure. 
which is when a lot of people actually celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. still. So. Oh, yes. It's going to be, it's January 7th this year because okay. my friend is Armenian and that's when she yeah, celebrates there you go. Christmas. So, so Epiphany. But I'm going to read this part from, should I read it? Sure. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't always like being read to, and I never know if I should read things. But this is a section from um, her book and she says this. When Stephen, someone from, it was a youth pastor, I think, asked her, how would my life be different if I was not scared and really believed I was loved? I was reminded of the youth pastor's similar yet completely different question. One question had to do with trusting God's love. The other had to do with trying to become worthy of God's love. There is a reason Mary is everywhere. I've seen her image all over the world, in cafes in Istanbul, on students' backpacks in Scotland, in a market stall in Jakarta. But I don't think her image is everywhere because she is a reminder to be obedient. And I don't think it has to do with social revolution. Images of Mary remind us of God's favor. Mary is what it looks like to believe that we already are who God says we are. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. It's it's this simple act of belief. One of my favorite scriptures is from uh, Mark. I believe it's chapter 5, and it's don't be afraid, just believe. Mark 5, 36. Mm-hmm. And this this idea that Mary was a young girl, yet she was there's this reverence about her, and yet there's this innocence. There's all these dichotomies. There's all these not only buts with her. Not only but also's. She's the perfect representation in so many ways. So how did that when you read that from the Bolt Swebber, and I hope we're saying your name right. I'm sorry if we're not, not that you're gonna listen to this, but if you do, <laughs> what's up? You're right. You're our number one fan. <laughs> And we're mispronouncing your name. We apologize. Send us a name pronunciation, please, to hi at notonlybud.com. But what, how did that impact you, Nicole, that script or that uh, piece? Well, I think part of what I find fascinating about Mary is, and I have thought about this a lot over the years, is she was just an ordinary girl. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing in scripture to indicate that she was somehow special apart from the fact that God picked her. She also was from the lineage. The yes, lineage you're right. The lineage was of important. David. But then she if you want to even take that a step further, we are a part of that same lineage, right? Yeah. We've been grafted in. Mm-hmm. We've been adopted. And so we are part of the same lineage. But in her everyday life, right? Mm-hmm. She was just a normal girl. Yeah. Um, much like most of us, in our everyday life, we're normal, average, ordinary people, and we maybe don't feel special and we don't feel qualified and we don't feel empowered most days and we don't feel chosen, mm-hmm. but we are a part of a holy lineage. Like that's actually in our blood. Mm-hmm. And so we've already been pre-selected, not in a uh, Calvinist way, excuse me, but chosen in advance to do these really wonderful things that we can't even imagine yet or maybe some of us are in the midst of them or maybe some of us are at the start of it Mm -hmm. um i think that's just really striking to me i think i've always thought can you imagine just going about your everyday life and then you have this really supernatural drop in Mm -hmm. and your life is forever changed and nothing's ever the same and you get to bear witness to the greatest event in human history yeah but she had no idea that's that, that right. was coming because when what she was being asked is to be sh- shamed publicly mm-hmm. scorned and that's exactly right to quite likely lose everything mm-hmm. that she had been planning mm-hmm. for i don't know i mean i'm sure no, weddings, you're totally culturally, right she was engaged to this man she Joseph, should have been stoned he, I mean, to be he had every guy. right to stone her and so she was probably in 
in medias res of planning a wedding <laughs> and of doing what she needs to do. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. Every, nobody, nobody, because it had never happened in yes, the history of all time right. that somebody just randomly got ba- got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. It's not like she's going to walk down the street and is like, hey, everybody, <laughs> just like you and you and you, I know. I'm impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Or, you know, wait until you get this Bible that's going to be printed if after, you know, a lot of the Catholic <laughs> you Church. Get this Bible. <laughs> you know, in about 1,500 years, you when check they back finally allow right. the written word to <laughs> run out to the masses. And then even then, they locked it down. A lot, a lot of look up illiteracy within the church <laughs> as a means of control. All right, exactly. All right. So anyway, it's not like she was saying, you know, just wait, wait for the end mm-hmm. of the story because mm-hmm. that'll all make sense mm-hmm. then. No, she no, was in the very midst of a fire. It's a very good point of and of her just saying, "May it be unto me as you have know, said." That's what so she beautiful. says to the angel. I love it. And what to juxtapose that, and we don't have to go all into this and a bit, but it is an interesting conversation if. Anybody would like to complete it on your own time. The fact that you know, I mentioned her cousin Elizabeth, who gets pregnant with Jay the Bee. Elizabeth's <laughs> husband, Zachariah? Yep. Zacharias? Yep. Zach- an S? Zacchaeus? No, Zacchaeus? not Zacchaeus. He was not in the tree. Zacchaeus. That's the um, little guy. Uh, you're right. Zachariah? Zachariah? No, Zachariah? Right. Something with a Z. Z. Not the, John, John the Bee's right. dad, yes. Z. That's so right. Z basically asks the same question as Mary does. He mm-hmm. says, well, how can this be? Because they're about 60-ish. And it seems impossible that a man of his, well, men could have, of course, but that a woman of her age could bear a child. Mm-hmm. And he is muted. He legit gets muted for by asking. the angel for asking that question. I know. And he says, we're going to, oh, one of my students is outside. Visiting you? That's my, yes, that's one of my students. He's visiting to give me a Christmas present. And um, hi. <laughs> so... <laughs> Renee's he waving. said it was going to be Friday. Renee's waving through her window to her it's student. It's Sunday, and so he's on India time. So, because <laughs> <laughs> he's also Indian. So, um, but this that's really cool. That I, but we'll see. Well, maybe I'll let Nicole take on. But so so Z gets muted, and get, is given the name John. You'll name you'll name your son John in the same way Joseph and Mary were told you're going to name your son Jesus mm-hmm. or Yeshua back then and um and it isn't until z writes down the name john that he's given voice back it's such a crazy story so that's sometimes i'm like well so why is mary not punished not what do you mean punished but yeah, there's no, no consequence, consequence right for mary's question but there is one for z's right it was a zachariah zacharias zachariah we were right zachariah mm-hmm. oh we were right we should have trusted her i know and so the way that god trusts mm-hmm. us but that, I think, is just interesting in and of itself. I'm not sure how to connect it to anything, so I'm just going to leave it there as, as a point of pontification, unless you would like to pontificate more on that. Pontificate. No, I actually, I, I love everything you shared. And I think when we think about her response, Mary's response, the, you know, let it be, as you've said, the idea of, I loved the point you brought up about, she couldn't have foreknown, I mean, listen, she suffered true, true heartache. Mm. She suffered a devastating loss. She had to witness her son crucified. And I don't even know then if she really understood what was happening. I don't know if she could have known. Mm. I don't think anyone 
really could have known and really understood. I mean, we know that the disciples certainly did not understand the yeah. the the gravity of what was actually happening and the spiritual significance of what was happening. So I wonder if Mary did either. I really don't know, but it didn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it. Even when she goes and interrupts Jesus while he's in a meeting yes. several weeks or months or years prior to the crucifixion, you know, they they beckon him and they say to whoever they meet at the door, just tell him it's his mother and his brothers. Uh-huh. As if to say, like, we get, this is right. our in, like right. at the club, well, right? He'll like, let us whatever. in. It's us. He'll let us in. It's right. us. And his response, of course, is, who are my mother and my mm-hmm. brothers? That's right. And so it seems like maybe there was this disconnect there. There's a lot of disconnection. We don't know about Joseph. We don't know what happened there. Um, but the thing that I'm thinking about with Mary and Zacharias is Mary's question may have been out of a heart of innocence and Zacharias is out of a heart of cynicism. Zachariah. Zachariah, sorry. Zacharias out of a heart. I should have just stayed with the Z. <laughs> Z's Z. out of a heart of, of cynicism or of, because think about it. Yeah. They weren't able to have a child and they likely were because culturally having right. a child is very important. And maybe at that point, bitterness had settled Yeah, they in. like gave up know. on There's that a dream. Lot of projection they might have given up on that dream or just thought it's never going to happen. I'm like, so, how is this going to happen? Right. Like, what's going to go? Gonna is she going to friggin' dig with somebody else? Friggin like, who's egg. it going to be? And, um, but... So that I think is interesting. But going back to even Mary, I was thinking about my experience in cathedrals when I used to go to Europe so often in my teenage and my 20 Your experience years. experience in cathedrals. And my experience, my extensive <laughs> my experience with cathedral, cathedral knowledge. No, but I backpacked Europe in 1999 and I, I studied abroad in of both France and London. So I've been to a lot of cathedrals. But I remember when I was in like entrenched in evangelicalism, particularly between 95 and you know, maybe 2012, um, when I did visit cathedrals, there was this sense of like, okay, this is a historical check mark, mm-hmm. but don't get too enamored because entrenched within these, uh, what are they, these buttresses, right? Mm-hmm. Flying buttresses Flying and these buttresses. Uh, Doric and Corinthian columns are, is, uh, is idolatry. Yeah. Is this, this worship of, of a false god, mm-hmm. of this worship, or even if it's not a false god, it's a, it's a false rendering of God. Mm-hmm. So I always kind of felt this sense of detachment. And I know that in the last few years of having returned to Europe, um, having deconstructed from evangelicalism and really starting to appreciate my faith for all that it is and not all that I was told that it was or is, I was able to engage with the mysteriousness and the reverence and the like the thousands and thousands of human hours yes. that it took. Mm-hmm. It's not just like putting, like, no. a, you know, there's a university here called Arizona State University. Everywhere you go in Phoenix, there's an ASU building. Like yeah. They just put those right. mofos put up, right up in a matter of Or they seconds, take out over right? other buildings. Right. It's, it's true. It's like yeah. the juggernaut. And, um, but, you know, with these cathedrals, it took hundreds of people years People dedicated sometimes. their entire lifetime. Right? People times. died to build them people died building them people started building them and their completion were in some cases weren't finished for generations beyond them and i think about that like that was done in reverence to a holy god Mm -hmm. like they may have had their theology that's different than whatever theology but we've already talked about how jacked up theology can be if you try to control the masses but now when i walk into these cathedrals I think about the dedication, about mm-hmm. just this this visual representation of awe. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite Albert Einstein quotes is, he who can no longer pause to wonder and 
stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. So good. And that's now what I think. I kind of like uh, allowed myself to reconsider my ideas of cathedrals. Mm-hmm. And I think in the same way that I've allowed to reconsider my idea of who Mary, who Mary is and what she means to me as a person of faith and as a woman who yeah. has also been called and chosen. Yeah, so good. Oh, so I was just thinking, um, this thought just came to my mind that Mary had this kind of exclusive, she had this like, you know, exclusive relationship with her boy, with Jesus, because she was there. He suckled at her teat. He suckled at her teat. She nursed him. And we can think about all of the, the ordinary things that she had to do. She had to burp him and clean him and bathe him. And she had to, you know, chase him around as a toddler and keep him safe and feed him all of the things um, that she was doing for the Messiah, who, you know, we still don't know, but probably she didn't even understand that he was really what that meant. I mean, she was told, but sh- to really understand and have full knowledge of that. But she knew about him before his birth. She was with him at his birth. Mm. She witnessed his first miracle. Yeah. At the wedding at Cana. At the wedding, water to wine, which when Riley, I remember this is a total side story when Riley was little. My daughter, she, we read that um, story. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, I would have prayed for chocolate milk. <laughs> well, obviously. That's good. So she give, would, her, give her a few years. <laughs> she witnessed, right. She witnessed his first miracle. And then she was with him at the cross, at the crucifixion mm-hmm. and his burial. I mean, the significance even of that. Yeah. From our, the accounts we have scripturally, she was the only person. Yeah. Who was with him through all. All of oh, those life events, because Joseph isn't even mentioned. Or, you know, his father, it seems, probably had passed already by then. And I was thinking too about you brought up when she was going, when um, they, her and the boys, her other sons, were like, "Let us in, it's us." You know, Jesus will let us in; he knows us. And um, but at the cross, he specifically mm-hmm. called out. Who did he call out? John, uh, John, his John, best friend, to watch, John the Revelator. Yes, to watch over his mother, and he said. As he was dying, make sure my mother is cared for. Mm-hmm. And the specialness of that, to be able to, they did have that kind of connection and, and he had that kind of real love and care and concern for her. That is really beautiful to think about. But I was also thinking about the question from the book, what would it be like if we really believed mm-hmm. that we are already who God says we are? Yeah. I mean, did Mary believe when she said, let it be, let it be unto me, if you've spoken, did she just really believe like, okay, I'm, this has already been spoken over me. This is already done. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to embrace who God already says that I am. Yeah, knowing, I mean, and the side question here is if she had said no and said, uh, nope, hard pass, go on, that mm-hmm. po- there very well possibly could have been another person who was chosen. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. And here we have Mary inhabiting this role. And I think, and and she fulfilled scripture, but there there's just this innocence. There's just this trust. There's just this, I don't know, and I don't need to have it figured out. I'm just going to... I'm just going to believe. I don't know. It, she is probably one of the most daring people mm-hmm, in yeah. scripture. Because mm-hmm. you think about, okay, David in the Old Testament, when he was called as king, he was young and he was anointed. 
all right, but and he, he fulfilled that role of being king some decades later. And you think about other people who were called, okay, Jonah got swallowed by a whale because he was being disobedient, hello. Right. And and you think about all of these heroes of the faith, and Mary is very rarely in that That's lineup. Right. But also- That's this, horseshit. The stories you even just brought up, I said these it. are people, horseshit, there it is. Check, ding, ding, when I said it. <laughs> um, All of those folks, they all had some kind of, you know, there was this outward miraculous or very evident- Big call or big thing like Moses, we know. Noah, huge. Jonah, the whale. Uh, you said David, Goliath, then king. Yeah. That all of these things. Mary didn't have any of that. And it was like an under the radar. Her life was like an under the radar yes. miracle. Yes. And that is, I think, why the biggest shame is because even look at Mary Magdalene, who mm-hmm. gets delivered of seven demons. She, I think she gets shamed in public. If we're talking about the right Mary, she gets shamed in public after being caught in the act of adultery. Mm-hmm. And then she she gets delivered and she comes. She, comes around and she um, is now a disciple of Jesus. So we elevate her. We know her as this big story. Mary, the mother of Jesus, had no such thing. Mm -hmm. She was an innocent girl without a past Mm -hmm. who didn't have any story to think about, Mm -hmm. who was just called. She was, her life was interrupted. Mm -hmm. And then, and she went with it. And she did it. And she she stuck with it for her entire life, not knowing knowing that something huge but having no clue the the gravity of who Jesus was how she would have to witness him die mm-hmm. what, how significant that. that that death was going to be right. knowing that your son is going to be the messiah mm-hmm. something that they had been waiting for for mm-hmm. thousands and thousands Which of you years you couldn't have wrapped your head around and no one knew how that would play out yeah and so and it's likely something she couldn't really talk about maybe with elizabeth because yeah, elizabeth I wonder if she like got to like if they had like a sewing circle and she was like, you guys, you want, you want to be let in on something? Jesus. Well, I mean, there's a I little bit of scriptural knowledge there. Elizabeth had already been pregnant a few months with Jay the Bee. And when she saw Mary, yes. the child leapt within in her womb. Elizabeth's yes. womb like leapt. Elizabeth probably knew. Wept. But Wept. Leapt. The child leapt, did not, not weep. Jesus wept. The child leapt. <laughs> not <laughs> Elizabeth way. knew because they're like homegirls. It's her cousin. It's a cuz. But... I mean, did Mary's other friends know? Did their other community of people, like, they probably, okay, when Joseph and Mary were leaving, when they were leaving the, um, when they were leaving Jerusalem and they're in the caravan and they're making their way and then they realize Jesus isn't with them and they're like, oh, man. Now this go. is, Jesus is like 10 to 13. So now he's like 12 years old Maybe or so. 12, yeah, you're right. And they're like, we got to go back. We got to go find him. Did they like say to their friends like, oh, you guys know it's the Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> he pulls this stuff. I mean, probably not. Probably that wasn't something that they, they shared with people. With him. Yeah. So they, they, that was probably all on the DL and they had to go back and find him and look for him. And you think about just those are regular parenting things. But then he has this other. He said, don't you know that I would be in my father's he house? He has a non-child, typical child response, of course, because they. They did have those indicators from him through his life that he wasn't like everyone else. Yeah. But I wonder how much she he probably was, didn't smoke a whole lot of dope. N- the dope he <laughs> stayed away from the Mary J. Um, but I probably I wonder if for her if that was even kind of lonely. Like yeah, she maybe didn't even get to talk to a lot of people about it. Maybe her and Joseph like whispered about it to each other because they knew and they had both been met by an angel. But 
I think too about sometimes when God is inviting us into something that feels so much bigger than we can understand, we can't even comprehend it all. It can feel really lonely and isolating and you still, but you still want to believe and she still chose to to go forward. And to add to what you're saying, remember there was a census right after Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there was this whole thing where they had to be uprooted and they had to leave where they were and they had to go into Jerusalem and then ultimately she gave birth in a yeah. stable in Bethlehem. Yeah. So it was apart from her community. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how communities, I didn't do my research there, how communities traveled back then or, or what it looked yeah, like. Yeah, but they were by themselves. We it know. seems they like were that disconnected was the case. most likely from the people that they had so been that, around. Again, is yes. another, you know, dare I say, trauma. This idea that, oh my gosh, now my whole life is uprooted. Now I have this baby. And if, if memory, I know this happened with Moses, but wasn't there also. Yeah, because of the wise men who happened later. The wise men were not at that stable, contrary to lovely nativity scenes. But the the idea that the wise men um, were told in a dream not to go by way mm-hmm. of the yep. king. It was a Herod? Yep. To uh, not give him, to be, not to go back by Herod. Not to go back by Herod because Herod had gotten wind. They went the, the first time and born. then the Lord said, don't go back yeah. and tell him. Because Herod wanted to kill this Messiah because mm-hmm. he figured, because everybody figured that the Messiah was going to upend the, the kingdom on earth. Right. But that was not to happen. It was the kingdom in heaven mm-hmm. that he was upending. And and Evan actually, our awesome sound producer, said the most amazing thing to me years ago when I was just at the f- forefront of my um, Do you know what deconstruction? Say, He's like, no idea. and it was this. He said, you know, I don't think. Uh, he said, pre-Jesus, post-Jesus. I don't think God's mind toward us changed. Mm. He said, I think the whole point of Jesus was that our minds toward God changed. changed. Oh, that's so oh. good. Do you that remember was, saying that? Do you remember that? I remember exactly where we were in your that's house. So it was, I kind of remember. That it was too. transitional for me. Yeah. And it was one of those things like, you're right. Because all of this, all, all for tens of thousands of years, God was angry. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes and he's not angry anymore. Mm-hmm, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Why would you send right, Jesus right, right. to a people you're right. angry at? Yeah, what's like, the point of that? It just doesn't God? make any sense. This is how you control people. This is why. If you have an angry God, you can control people. Mm-hmm. If your God is too kind, oh, well, <laughs> then there's right. freedom. And so... That's exactly right. Anyway, um, but Mary got was the catalyst. If Mary had said no, things would have gone down real, real differently. I know. And I'm just so thankful for her. And I'm so thankful that it didn't take a whole lot. It was just, yeah, if this is what you want from me, I'll do it. And so I don't know, I guess the call to account is, Nicole, is there anything right now that you feel like the Lord wants from you that you've kind of been reluctant? This is real calling. I'll call myself out too. (laughs) That you're like, "Eh, eh, I don't know. And you could Hmm. very easily say, you know what? Be unto me as... That he's invited me into or called yeah. me into. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a big thing like giving that birth. That I've been reluctant. I mean, we know that your virginity is long gone. but Long <laughs> gone. <laughs> um, I am still immaculate though. Um, you are. Uh, let me think. Let me think. I don't know. There's nothing like immediate. Listen, I've just been so Jesus-y this whole year. It's true. And I've been such a saint and I really. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to repent for thus far, and we're already we're ten days into the new year to, until the new year. So good, um, keep it up, and you'll have nothing to uh, feel bad about. <laughs> I just really, really was just a perfect, perfect Jesus follower this year. I really no. Um, I'll say okay. I think that I've felt very strongly in 2020 to that I've been called to engage in racial reconciliation mm. in a way 
that I haven't before. I've said, you know, I've said this to you and I've said to others that I feel that 2020 marked me and I essentially have made a commitment in myself and my spirit to the Lord that I will never not engage this fight for the rest of my life and that I won't choose to be passive in any way um, going forward. However, I can say that freely, but I also have some real anxiety around that because I don't know what that looks like. I don't know all that that means or all that that entails. When I think about it, I get tired. <laughs> it's like when you think about eternity and you're like, oh, dear God, this is going to go on and I have, on and I on. I have no problem questioning. I can picture eternity. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, I my brain starts to immediately hurt. So when I think about this is a lifetime endeavor, right? this isn't something like 2021, check the box. I read how to be an anti-racist. No, this is my lifelong commitment to doing this work and raising mm-hmm. my children in that mindset and engaging my community and all of those things. I don't know what that's like going to be like. And so I do feel some reluctance and some kind of, I wish that it felt more concrete. I do know that because mm-hmm. I'm being invited that I, that God will be with me. I think, I think about Mary, she had no idea how it was going to all play out. Like we have been saying, but she was invited and because she was invited and welcomed and called, she went forward and, the story unfolded in in the way that it had to unfold yeah that had to change history and she had to be a part of that um so that's my answer yeah that's a good answer and you're watching it unfold and we'll talk about this later but you know i have one answer that's like legit but even and this we'll probably talk about another well, let's hear your legit too. answer the legit answer is you know something recently happened between me and somebody else and it was, I mean, I called you directly afterwards. Actually, you mm-hmm. called me because I texted you mm-hmm. like, oh, this just went down. And, and I was so me. angry. Yeah. And and I mean, I didn't cry. I'm a crier. But in 2020, I didn't cry a whole lot. And there were three day, three particular days in 2020 that I cried. And that was one of them. That was the last time. And, and since then, gosh, that had to have been like mid-November. Mm-hmm. Since then, whenever things get quiet, I feel the Lord saying, I want to heal you. Mm-hmm. Of that interaction with of that, that person. And I, well, that interaction has happened my whole life. Right. So I feel like the oh, Lord- Oh, heal you in the whole Yeah, I feel like that's what it is. That. Yeah. But instead, I turn on the Queen's Gambit or mm, I you know, drink wine or mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know, whatever, and um, go on Facebook or something. And I realize, I'm like, because I feel like my whole life, this is going to sound so whatever, but I kind of do have, at least in my younger days, I was very much like Mary. Whatever the Lord wanted, I did. Mm-hmm. I was very quick to obey. Mm-hmm. I've always been like that. And yet there's still these asshatty people who feel like they can just shit all over me because I'm forgiving. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's this, and the Lord has been healing me of all of this my whole life. But um, And so I just feel tired. Yeah, I feel sense. tired of needing to be healed of one more thing. Mm. And I feel tired of the depth that's going to take and of having to like uproot things that I just would rather keep in past decades. Yeah. But I'm like, but I know that I've also been called to endure the things that are common to women mm-hmm. so that he can deliver me and so that mm-hmm. I can empower other women. Empower other women. That's right. So I know that I need to do this. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> all the other women. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you want to heal to me. me. Boo, boo. And so, but I just, I honestly, I just, I don't want to be bothered at the same time I, I do. totally understand. But and it's that's exhausting not my, that's sometimes. That's not my character. No, you but it's know me. tiring sometimes too. 
sometimes we do get to the point where we're like, again, or like, there's more to do. Right. And it can just feel so exhausting. And it's like, oh, I can blame Jesus for being an Enneagram 4. And so, because it's like, uh, to the depths, how much to the depths do I have to get about these things? And mm-hmm. at the same time, I think about this year with racial reconciliation, um, you know, that just being called to start the company that I started, culturallyintelligent.com. Um, and I, plug. I think about how it was like an audible kind of, I started this, I, I, I felt started an LLC mm-hmm. back in March. Mm-hmm. And I went to Nicole's house and I'm like, so I just did a thing. She's like, what'd you do? I'm like, I just started an LLC. And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I don't know why. <laughs> and then it was like, as the months went, things started to happen. And then it was like, you need to invest X thousands of dollars. And I was like, um, I don't think so. And I went on a walk and I just felt this confidence, you're gonna get that money back. Mm-hmm. I invested several, several thousand dollars thinking, okay, we'll get this back in the next five years. Right. No. The next day, we got Mm -hmm. a giant contract. It's amazing. And that was recouped within a week. It's so, so good. And I think about like this year alone, just how the Lord, especially with this company, and I don't know what's, I don't know what the future of this mm-hmm. company is, right? But I just think how he was like, you need to do this. And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, when we were in a global quarantine, I didn't have a right. whole lot of other things occupying mm-hmm. my time. So I was like, all right, we'll do it. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. And for me, letting go of several thousand dollars is a big deal. And it is for most people. Yeah, it is. But some people, you know, they 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 have higher risk tolerance there. Mm-hmm, and so, and so. And so. And so. You were saying. I was saying, um, should I just throw in a horseshit there just to kind of done uh, on the heels of you the have answer? to you have a quota to meet. Okay, I have a quota to meet, but that was that was uh, what's the word? Um, oh, I can't remember the word. Gratuitous. That was gratuitous. <laughs> that wasn't as nicely placed as it, but that was the joke. <laughs> so that happened, and that so that's the second thing where I can say in retrospect seeing what the Lord has done, where it was just a few little things where I was like, you've got to be crazy mm-hmm. or I'm crazy. Either God's crazy or I'm crazy or we're both in tandem Oh, there's crazy. a lot of crazy. But seeing the fruit of that and seeing almost immediate, because normally when the Lord has spoken something to me, I see it in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. This was like a day later. Yeah. I'm like, that, I like that sped up I like timeline. The, I like the week-long turnover. So maybe what I need to do is just go, oh, first of all, it's really hard to get a, four seconds of silence. I haven't peed by myself in decades because of either between my cats and my kids. So I just, I need to get into a quiet place. It was easier to obey the Lord when I was a single woman with no kids, right? Because I had some freaking peace and quiet I mean, to get into sure. my holy of holies. Yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, so I need to, you know, go for a walk or whatever and just ask the Lord to heal that. And I will. I commit to doing that between now and before I die. <laughs> I'm really glad for that. <laughs> you said a couple of things, and one of them I can't remember I that I was going to comment on that, that I really ramble. liked. It's left my brain. It went away. But um, two are also, I should say, no. Also, I like thinking about not the – you were saying the same thing that we were talking mentioning about with Mary. We can't foreknow what's going to happen but there's there's always sometimes that crazy element where you feel like you're crazy or the situation is crazy or you think mm-hmm. what God's speaking to you sounds nuts and i maybe mary felt a little bit of that like this is crazy like i was just visited by an angel i'm about to get knocked out by the holy spirit yeah. this is crazy and they didn't have like ept or dollar store tests back then no so she had to wait till she was showing i don't know when joseph in the 
in the timeline found out like did he find out when she started showing and and normally young girls and I don't know what her physique was my first pregnancy I didn't start showing until like my seventh yeah, month you usually get away for a long time I'm I think we were talking about this the other night at church but and some of us looked it up but it seemed as though it was pretty quick that he knew that she that she was going to be pregnant and and that he's you know chose to marry her still and that people then assumed that it was their child meaning it had to have Happened pretty quickly. Yeah. I I would assume that they got married pretty fast after the immaculate conception, as it were. But I like what we both shared. I like our our call to action, our what is God asking us that and well you you said the word obedient a couple of times and that I liked that Weber or Bolt's Bolt's um quote because she was talking about that it's not necessarily out of obedience. And I think that Mary was obedient, but also she just chose to believe it yeah, and chose to believe what was being said about her. And listen, I'm not downplaying the importance of obedience. Obedience is what literally saved my faith mm-hmm. when I had no faith, which listen to our doubting and believing episode. I don't remember which five? episode that is, four or five. When I had no faith to hold on to, just by being obedient, that's the only way I got up every day and did what I needed to do. So I'm not knocking that. But I do think there's something really powerful in just saying, I'm already what God says mm-hmm. I am. I'm already capable. I'm already power, power, empowered. I'm already chosen. I'm already loved. I'm already loved. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's different. I think a lot of people, I think my understanding of obedience was kind of um, synonymous with belief. Mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. believe, you'll obey. Right. If you obey, that means you believe. Right. But I think you are bringing a nuance here, and maybe we we can hat tip Nadia Boltz-Weber here, that, it, that it, there is a distinguishing there. Well, scripture says, if you love me, you'll obey. Mm. But that's the thing now, maybe with our, maybe within our culture, maybe with all of the you know, the trauma upon trauma that, that we have acquired within our individual and collective kind of states, maybe now it is just this idea that we need to believe that we are loved. And yeah. if we believe that we are loved, then walking in tandem with a God who truly mm. does want to co-write right. our stories with us. So good. We can just allow it to happen without the anxiety and the distress mm-hmm. and the and the need to control and all of the things that we need to do that we can truly you can watch the unfolding of the the racial reconciliation narrative i can watch the healing uh, that's taken 40 years (laughs) to continue to go or whatever is going to happen with the company and we can watch it without having to constantly plan for the next so good so this when a few years ago we were sitting around the dinner table with Jonathan and I were sitting around the dinner table with our kids. I know you know this story. My husband really loves to engage our kids in good conversation and he loves to ask questions about them and what they're thinking about. And he asked our three kids, what do you, what do you guys feel like you're really good at? What are something, some things that you feel like you're really, really good at, you know, like a skill or something that, you know, my daughter's really good at art or singing or whatever. And, so they're going around, they're sharing a few things. And then we get to my middle son, Tolan. Who is the best. He's the best. And um, so he's 12 now. So he's probably like eight, I think, at the time. And he kind of sighs and he goes, I don't know. Because I don't know what I'm really good at. He goes, but I know I'm loved. And I thought, I remember just looking at Jonathan thinking, if all of us could hold on to that reality, like 
I don't know what I'm really good at. I don't even know how I'm going to do the things God's asking me to do. But if I can believe and know that I'm loved, I'm Mm -hmm. done. The work is done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think we would be consumed about what we did if we knew that we were absolutely loved because right. we would realize this is not a competition. Yep. To to get to the finish line, this is a competition to recognize that we are loved, mm-hmm. and I think that's why Jesus came. Yeah, it's it was so to good. change our mind about Him, so about God, that we are indeed loved. We are loved. so loved that after thousands of years of depravity, Jesus was still, still willing to come, willing to come, yeah. and die an innocent man. Yeah. With his mom watching. Sweet Mary. So good on you, Mary. I honor you, yet I don't have to worship you. That's right. We bless you, Mary. Maybe <laughs> all have a little more Mary in us. Yeah. Maybe know we're loved. Be empowered in that knowledge. Yeah. I want the inheritance of Mary, and I will pray the inheritance of Mary over my daughters and my son. Oh, yeah. That same so spirit. Yeah. Of so just good. be it unto me as you have commanded. Yes. So good. You know, this trust. Yeah, that's powerful. I bequeath the spirit of Mary over both of you and all of you listening. I receive it. (laughs) I receive it. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, too. Happy Kwanzaa. Almost Happy New Year. Uh, Maybe celebrate a happy epiphany. Do people say happy epiphany? Joyous epiphany. Joyous epiphany. Eye-opening epiphany. Holla freaking Louia, the 2020 is coming to a close. We'll see what 2021 has in store. It can't be worse. Oh, yeah. You never we'll know. We'll see. We will see. I hope good things. Uh, coming up in future episodes, we'll talk about one words. One words for the year. That'll be our New Year's episode coming up. So Yeah, so stay tuned. We appreciate so many of you have rated and reviewed us on iTunes and whatnot. And we are so excited. A lot of you have written into us and told us your own stories. And we want to say we honor those and we see you. And we keep them coming because this stuff is really what um, helps us know um, how we're engaging and how to engage. And then, and then, and that you like us. You really like (laughs) us. You really like us. And also that we can just hopefully encourage you because we really do want to take the time to be engaged with you guys too off offline offline that's not what i mean post episode yeah um because it's also a blessing gift to us so it very much is thank you for taking very, very the time is. to do that for those of you that have reached out to us too yes so keep it coming keep it going and we are happy to be friends with all of you for sure all right peace in the middle east all the time every day do you always say that everywhere and today Adios. (laughs) Bye. I can't remember what the back and forth is. It's perfect.